podcasting from the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Back to you is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine Opie show. This week on Ant Friends, I have no idea what's happening, Kimmy. I don't think I do. I think the best person for the job is Tommy. To my memory, I believe we learned a little about Jesus. Oh. We learned a lot about the sex doll industry. Uh Uh-huh. And we even learned a little about ourselves along the way. Oh, that sounds like a great show. I can't wait to listen to it. That and so much more on this episode of And Friends, an Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. I read that without my reading glasses. How about that? Well, you read it okay, except that you don't get the, the billing right. How many weeks will it take until you get the billing right on the show? You're never getting top billing. Well, Because I've we'll got see. a contract. Oh, you, you probably do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, there's, you know, there's no problem about it. You know, well, from the looks of things, you know what I was thinking on the way down here, what, what I enjoy Please most about me. doing this, <laughs> what, what I enjoy most about this whole podcast experience is dressing the way that I can dress to come down here. And I was yeah. thinking, I bet Howard uh, feels the same way. Here I, I started to say, here I am in my shorts. <laughs> Here I am wearing shorts, yes. uh, and I, I feel very relaxed and very uh, comfortable. And then I look over at you, and you're acting like you're going to a board meeting. What's I up with you? Jacket and uh, shirt and tie. What's happening? What's what, what's happening with you? Well, there? because they record me on video, <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm on television. Have you have you ever worn shorts on television? Uh, probably, but I didn't like. I didn't like to go into work that way because you've used the line before. Yeah. What message does it send? That you're not in charge. That you're not. Somebody said that to that me That you once. didn't come to work. You didn't come to work. You're not in charge. You, you don't feel play. like it today. So- didn't you have a weatherman? Didn't you have a weatherman? We had several at people come, two that came in in his pajamas. He actually came in. Now that's dedication. No, we had, that's no, a guy you fire. <laughs> dedication. No, let me explain why he came in his pajamas. It was early in the morning. Whoever had that shift didn't show up. It's like five a.m. The guy wasn't supposed to show up for work till the afternoon. Called him at home, and he showed up head to toe in the matching pajama set. With, with sneakers, and what do you happened, think it was? Do you think that was me? By the way, I, I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> but uh, what happened when the general manager saw him? He thought it was idiotic. Yeah, of course he did. He wanted to fire, and he did fire him eventually. Well, eventually, I don't that know. Was slippers, it was slippers, wasn't it? <laughs> was it yeah, slippers? Yeah, it was slippers. We had a nickname that. for every yes. general manager that came through, and they came through every two or three years. <laughs> yes. I still run into slippers once in a while. Yeah. Well, you know why slippers? How does slippers get his name? He got his name because he had these uh, slippers, yeah. you know, shoes with, that were monogrammed. Beautiful. So they had these, well, I wouldn't say that. No, they, they were, were beautiful. Gaudy. They were cool. Yeah, they, they were, were cool beautiful shoes. to him. But they were cool But everything shoes. was beautiful to him. <laughs> yeah. But except he still us. wears them. Except us. Yeah. Now, he uh, messed with us. Uh, now, let me, I, I'm holding my wallet here. Yeah. I was looking at my wallet the other day and I said, as I pulled something out, I thought, Howard probably doesn't have anything like this in his wallet. Do you think I have stuff you don't have in your wallet? I, I'm sure you do. For instance, do you have business cards in your wallet that people give you? No, I don't. 
Do you have a card from a department store in your wallet? No. <laughs> no, I don't. Do you have the you little... You mean a credit card? Yeah. No. Do you have the little stays that keep your shirt straight? No. That you put in your no, collar? No, I've got those at wallet. home in my closet. Here's something else that you don't have. Ooh, the well, L is here. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You know what that it's means? So what? What that is that? means we've got 30 seconds left in the show. <laughs> I was about to say goodbye. Um, and I got some uh, lens wipe in my in my wallet uh-huh. here for my glasses. You don't have that either, do you? No. No. I what don't. do you carry in your wallet other than money? Um, I have my driver's license, yeah. and I have a credit card. I think my social security card. Yeah. And a get get out of jail free card. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> and what, it is yet to work. Uh, you know, it hasn't worked at all. I wonder what our guest today carries in his wallet, other than money. Well, we will find out. Let me tell you something else, real quickly. Yeah. And I never tell anything real quickly, as you know. I know that. That's why um, this thing's half over today. I got it, something in the mail this week. Yeah. And really burned me. I got a red light camera ticket. Mm. And, you know, sometimes you kind of ease through them and do the half stop. And in Chicago, they say that it's because of they're trying to, you know, make the roads safer or what have you. And we know it's for money. So I kicked them to 100 and said, spend it wisely. 100? Yeah, 100. It's 100. 100 bucks. Have you had more than one? Uh, Yeah, I've had three. Really? Yeah. Well, they know they could just hit you you up every other week. Yeah, they could. I'm going to go see the judge. And then another thing I did today, you came up here without your phone. I left my office. I'm panicked around, no phone. And I went out to my car, and it was sitting on the roof. I was putting my bag and my, my suit jacket in there, and I left. I put it up there. What's that say about me? It, it, it's uh, you, you want to stay on top of things. <laughs> that did was you, very... Did that was like polite. That? That's, yeah, it was kind of polite. Yeah. I would have come back with something more snarky. No. Uh, you it's, made reference to our guest. Yeah. And is he still here after listening to all this? I think it's questionable. <laughs> I think it's he's on his way. But um, in all seriousness, we well, now worked, you want to get serious. Well, yeah, okay. we'll see. We yeah. worked with uh, this gentleman for probably 15, 20 years, I'm going to yes. say. Easily. And we have worked with some excellent, excellent newsmen, but I don't think that I've ever worked with a better one than Jay Levine. Would you agree with that? I, I agree. And here's, the, here's another test of it. You know, I don't think people, I don't think it's right to have a nickname if you nickname yourself. Like, I, I don't consider that a nickname. But if somebody else calls you by a name and it quickly catches on and people... Very shortly after that, know who you're talking about all over the building. Yes. Uh, yeah. Then you know you've yeah. got the appropriate name. Yeah. Now, if I was to say to you, hey, where's the chief? You seen the chief today? Yes. You know exactly yeah. what I was talking about. Exactly. Hey, the chief left that over there. Well, Jay's title Is that the was, chief's wallet, Lynn? Yeah, any was, of those. He was, he, it's so thick, he, <laughs> it's in his briefcase. <laughs> but uh, his, his title was chief correspondent. Yes. And he might not know this, but I actually was the first one to start calling him Chief. And then we had a cameraman that called him Chiefy <laughs> yes. all the time. So we I had think a lot I may have called him Chiefy a time or two. Why don't we just keep talking about him like this and never bring <laughs> him on? He's not here. He's he? for me. <laughs> Is he here? <laughs> Jay Levine. Hello, Jay. Hello, Trey. And What's I don't even have a wallet. 
You don't carry no. a wallet. No wallet. There's no need. A couple of credit cards in a little case. And yeah. I'm you, not, this you is know, an old-fashioned old man Everything about thing you do. is old-fashioned. What is that, Jay? Why am I? I'm caught in this old-world uh, way of living. Well, you're no spring chicken. Relax. <laughs> Take it easy, will you? Uh, take it easy. That's yeah. another one we're going to get into. We've yeah. used that many times, haven't we, Jay? We have indeed. Jay we looked at me indeed. in the hallway and he would say, calm down. Take it easy. Take it, take easy. it easy. Easy. But wait a minute. Steve came up with that. Exactly. He did. That's right. his. That's he did. Exactly that's, right. that's, that's his. Yeah. We had such fun there. We did. We had, we had such fun. Yeah. You know, everybody thinks, but you know, some, somebody once said, and, you know, first, thanks for having me on your, having me on your podcast. Somebody once said, we take the news seriously, but we don't take ourselves very seriously. And I think that was that was kind of a good way of describing us sure. back, you know, a couple of years yeah. ago when we were all together at CBS. And, and we just walked in there and we had a good time. Our corner of the room, our corner of the building was yes. just, there was more laughter going on there than there yes. was anything else. Yeah, during tense times when you're under the clock. And you know the you know you're up against it. We had nothing but laughs, and you're right. And we didn't take ourselves seriously. Well, no, we didn't. And the thing I liked about where I was located for a long period of time was that it was desk. far from us. In the basement, <laughs> he was in the basement. <laughs> was I in the same building where you all were? No, I, my desk would be. Remember, Jay, right before you hit the set. So I would see often, many times. Uh, it would I would sort of witness something about to break because Jay would come in, Jay's leading the show, Jay's got serious information. The first, the, the last person to see Jay before he hits the air was me. Remember that? You had to pass my desk, boom, open the door and you were on the set. And that probably gave you the impetus to do the great work. Just think about that. The last face I see is that one. Oh my. Wow. And you still performed well. You know, we should mention to everybody that we're coming from Chicago because this goes out on a thing called the Internet, Jay. And it can go anywhere in the world. And as Tony updates me all the time as the numbers come in, uh, and I mentioned, you know, the cities in which we're big. Albuquerque, New Mexico is another one where we're doing real well. And Spokane, Washington. So, uh, Jay, we all worked at CBS2 in Chicago. And uh, that's that's where it all came from. And Jay was the chief correspondent there and had some unbelievable experiences over the years. Uh, and the things that you covered, I when I look at your, your bio, and I was pretty familiar with everything you did, but uh, I would say you did it all. No, I didn't do it all because you can never do it all. Um, and when I, when I stopped working, uh, because I decided it was time for me to stop working, I very carefully avoided saying, look, I've done it all. No, no, because there's still so much to do. No. I mean, I didn't have any part of the Trump election or the Trump presidency um, to cover, and that's an interesting story to cover. There are, and there are, things, there are things to come that I won't be able to do, even though I might like to. But I did a lot, and I can look myself in the mirror every day, and I, and I can say I did it right. And there's no story that's in anybody's archive anywhere that I'm ashamed of, that I, that I can say, I wish I hadn't done. Yeah. And to me, that's a true test. Can you, can, you, can you look at a story a week, a month, a year, 10 years later, and, oh, yeah, that was right. Well, you know, in keeping with, with how much you have done, 
I mean, we're talking not only dealing with Chicago and Chicago history. I mean, the historic moments and people from from Jane Byrne to Rahm Emanuel, right? Then you've got uh, uh, all those council wars that were going on uh, in terms of the city government. And then take it beyond that. What, Persian Gulf, right? Yeah, yeah. Two wars, three popes, eight Chicago mayors. Nine Chicago, nine Illinois governors. Presidents. I mean, I covered, I covered the election of the first black mayor in Chicago, the first woman mayor in Chicago, and the first Jewish mayor in Chicago. And I was the, I was the prime person on all those. Um, I was right on the campaign the whole time. And it was just a fascinating story. It was a front seat to history being made. And that, to me, was, was very, very exciting. It was hard. And, yeah. and now that I'm now that I'm not working, um, I can relax finally, because doing what I did, getting up every day, and having to do a story, and make it right, and beat the other people, while also thinking about what I was going to do the next day and the next week, that was stressful. You're always thinking, and and now I can read everybody else's coverage or watch everybody else's coverage on television and decide whether it's good or whether it's garbage and and uh, not have to worry about it. Or not watch it. Or not watch it. But, I, but I'm still a news junkie. I'm absolutely a news junkie. I would say that I, turn, that I, that I look at the, the Chicago Tribune app on my phone 15 times a day. Mm-hmm. I'm still interested. Sure. I mean, I'm still, I, uh, and I'm still shaking my head as the... How can that be? I mean, what is going on here? Um, but how my, can somebody say this is fake news when it's absolute truth? Yeah. Do you? I mean, could you imagine? Uh, you said you had didn't have a chance in, in this immediate uh, history-making year or two or to, to deal with what's going on. Is there a big difference between what's the way that reporters operate now as opposed to? what you were used to? I don't think it's the way reporters are, are operating. I think it's the way reporters are perceived. Somehow, the current resident of uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue has convinced at least a portion of the public that there is a such thing as fake news. Right. Well, the only fake news that there is is, is is perpetrated and disseminated by the guy who's sitting in his basement in his underwear, making it up and putting it on the Internet. That's the fake news. That was the news that, that, that got Hillary Clinton, who was not a favorite of mine, but who got Hillary Clinton somehow linked to a pizza parlor in Washington, D.C., where there were terrorist plots going on. Right. I mean, that's the stuff that, you know, Breitbart is kind of iffy mm-hmm. as to whether it's real or not. I understand news that's slanted in some way. I understand Fox News. I understand MSNBC at both ends of the spectrum. I know what I'm getting when I watch. And I like to watch both because I need to know how the two sides are viewing things. If we told you, okay, Jay, tomorrow, even tonight, we want you on that beat. We want you dealing with the man in that White House. Where would you start? What would you be thinking you would have to do first? What I would thinking would be not a chance. (laughs) <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to go back to it. Uh, 50 years of my life 
was spent thinking every single minute of the time yeah. about news and coverage and fairness and the like. And I, I don't want it. I don't want it anymore. Enough's enough. Uh, uh, well, Jay, you, you have been on the White House lawn doing live reports back to Chicago and all over the world, really, for CBS. You've been in the media room in which the president was holding his press conferences, uh, probably asked questions. How would you react if you were in there now and the president, which he does, calls you out and points his finger at you and takes a shot at you? Um, because he is the president. Do you, would, you, would you have a back and forth with him? Uh, how would you handle it? I'd be thrilled. You know why I'd be thrilled? I'd be thrilled because someone is taking notice, because the president of the United States is taking notice of my work. Let's go back to 1974 way back in time. Richard J. Daley mm -hmm. was, the, was the mayor of the city of Chicago. And I had broken a story the night before uh, about, I think it was about gambling in Chicago or something like that. Or, and and I, the next day, I'm somewhere where Daley is, and I stick a mic in his face with, with all the other reporters, and I ask him a question about that. And he said, I saw you on TV last night. I saw what you said. Well, you know something? When the highest in power in Chicago or the nation, yeah. you know, when, when, when President Obama recognized me as, as a presidential, at a presidential news conference, you know, when, when people, what are we doing? We're doing news for everybody, but we also like the people we're talking about to take notice. And maybe, you know, if we're doing things like the stuff I did in, in, for a couple of years back in the, uh, I don't know, 2008 or 9 or 10, uh, about stuff that just didn't make sense. And we had a kind of a, a profane name for it in the newsroom. Uh, you know, we called it WTF. And it was stuff that, huh? Yeah, Are you sure. kidding me? Sure. He said that? Yeah. I mean, sure. that, that was the time when you, you're rattling their cages. You're not doing opinion, but you're walking right up to the line. Yeah. And that's the key, being provocative as opposed to being opinionated. Now, does that make your job easier from that point on or harder? My wife said that it was Marianne Childers, who yes. has a background in, in news in Chicago and yes. who was one of the most respected and, in my view, best anchors ever, uh, she said, Jay did some of his best work at that time, but I've never seen him work harder. Mm -hmm. It was hard mm -hmm. because you better be right. Mm -hmm. If you're going to take shots, you better be right. I mean, you know that. People don't think it's hard, though, because it's our job on television to make it look easy. Right. Did you ever have any, uh, any uh, politician, uh, person in charge, uh, one affected by your story actually reach out to you off the air and say, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And and we'd have a discussion mm -hmm. about it. And there's one politician I'm thinking about the next time the next time I went up to him to ask a question acted as if nothing happened. Mm -hmm. And he or she was very unhappy with the story I did. Yeah. But you know something? They understand that's the way the game is played. That's our job. Our job is to keep them honest. Our job is to investigate and not to investigate silly stories about a bus shelter missing a bench on the, on the, uh, right. somewhere in yeah. Chicago. And, you know, investigating is investigating. Don't give me this little, oh, there's a pothole here. We investigated and found. 
That's garbage. Well, that's, I don't want to be involved in any of that. And that's part of the reason the ratings have dropped so much. One of the reasons is because the news that is done now, what they cover and the way they cover it isn't, uh, you know, it used to be you'd watch the 10 o'clock news and you knew everything that was happening in Chicago that day. And what was happening and was put on that newscast was important. It wasn't this trivia you're talking about or garbage. Yeah, I mean, it's not leading with, there's a snowstorm in Wyoming today, and it could come here. The wait, tail's wait a, a 10. Wait a minute. You never did that. You never did that. You never. You never. Now, you, now you, now you Steve, the weatherman, you were never forced to do that. How many times? How many times can I tell you? As you know, uh, how many times is where Jay's was the last face I saw <laughs> as I walked the stuff to do the chroma key? But you're right. I mean, uh, how many times have uh, uh, you had to deal with things that, that the payoff is that, oh, it isn't coming here? You know, nobody wants to hear that. I mean, why build it up? Right. If it's if it's not. Well, going I mean, to be the same thing promises. is the same thing. I, and believe me, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to single you out like that. I, I don't mean to call you out like oh, that. Oh, it's okay. Are you kidding? But, this but, man uh, singles we're, me out. We're, we're getting ready for him. We're getting ready for Howard. Oh, we're getting coming. ready for Howard in a minute. <laughs> no, I'm ready. You know, the hardest thing I ever did. <laughs> yes. The hardest thing I ever did was yeah. cover sports. Yeah. Now, when 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 a story rises to the level where it's on the front page of the newspaper, yeah. well, then you call in the news people yeah. to cover. The story, the magnitude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the sports people cover the sports angle and the news people cover the, the, yeah. mag, the magnitude of the event. Well, yeah. trying to cover a story with these sports people, because you know what? They thought they knew everything. Oh, sure. They thought they knew everything <laughs> about everything. Yeah. They thought they knew the news. Oh, you can't cover that. I know that. Well, that's, yes. that's my boat, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the sports angle. You stay always, out of you stay out of my business. Okay? And, they, and they always you find wanted, your own story. They always wanted more time in the program. Yes, too, and the weather people. We've talked about that. Would eat it all up. Well, well yeah, because you always had sports. Go work, condensed. Go, go work yes. for WGN. You'll get fifteen minutes and forty two seconds every night. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Last night's weather is still being uh, aired right now. <laughs> hey, I want to check your check your memory. When Barack Obama was the Democratic nominee. You were on Michigan Avenue. I think he was in the Intercontinental Hotel, and he was coming out. And the Secret Service said, "Hey, if you know him, and you can you can holler at him, get him come over, and he wants to talk to you, go ahead." So I planted a question for you to ask for me. Do you remember that? I remember the incident. I remember the, the we were, we were just off Mich- we were just off Michigan Avenue. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and he came out the side door of the Tribune Tower, I believe. Uh, and that's where that's where he was. Yes. And I remember because that was the big that was the big uh, controversy over his minister in Chicago. Sure. Right. And some inflammatory rhetoric. And yes. I had to ask him about that. And he came up to me and said, hey, Jay, how's Marianne? Mm-hmm. Uh, but and then we went into it. What was the question? And then I, I said, do you think the Bulls if, will win tonight? No, I said, if you get. If you get a chance to speak to him, would what do you, you mean tell if? him? What do you mean if? Well, yeah, I knew, I knew he'd come over and talk to him. I said, please give him a message that if I had known he was going to be president of the United States, I would have passed him the ball more. <laughs> because we played basketball yeah, all the time. Yeah. And his answer, he, was, he gave a big laugh and he said, ha, yeah. Howard never passes. But he's right. Yes. He's right. Yes. You give the ball to Howard when you're playing basketball, you know you're never getting it back. You, you, you know, know who's getting it back? 
Who? The president. No, the other team, because I score. <laughs> yeah. you know, the thing about, I have a scoring machine. The thing about Barack Obama that I find just that I was lucky enough to witness is that I know these days when, when Howard would be in a basketball game and there's Barack Obama in the game. I, I, I never played. Because I was I was injured at the time, but <laughs> IR, I, IR. I, I was on the IR. But I would see these guys just as guys, and you could get a sense of what a person's like, uh, you know, when when they're not asking for anything or running for office or or, or uh, there's nothing to gain. And he seemed like a decent man when I would stand and witness the conversations that he'd have about just basketball. Well, I mean, when he was just one of 10 of us out on the basketball floor that wanted to win the game. He was competitive. He's a good athlete, good basketball player, and a really down-to-earth guy. Well, Jay. When I knew him. And and another thing you can tell a lot about a person is what they're like on the golf course, wouldn't you say? Maybe. Sometimes. (laughs) How many times did you have to tell Jay, take it easy? I think it might be the other way around. <laughs> yeah, both. See, that's why I could never play. Well, actually, I have played with Jay. Yes, you did. And I don't know if I could call it played because I'm a very, very beginning golfer. Yes. And he was very gentle in his approach in terms of advice that he was offering and the time that we had had on the golf course. No lessons on the golf course. No lessons. That's but tell him that there should be no lessons. Actually, I've never played golf with Howard. No, I've not yet. Not, not yet. I'm I, not going to teach you while you're out there. Yeah, that's the, that's the most dangerous not, thing to do is to be Because I'm not taught. qualified. Jay, Jay and I, um, to put it mildly, both have kind of a quick trigger. Isn't that fair? Yeah. Who would yeah. you say had the quicker trigger and could go from zero to 100 the fastest, you or me? Boy, that's a tough question. I could think of other people, but but they got madder than we did. Well, you know, but you have to Uh-oh, look. They're, look, be they're, fair. They're, they're be, starting to be get fair mad, about Tony. This. Let me be, get be, out of the way. Be, be fair about this. We can get angry with ourselves, yes, but you can still play the game like a gentleman, and you're not taking it out on your compet on your fellow competitors. You're not kind of storming off in a huff and not talking to anybody. Right. You know, golf's a game that's played the right way and yeah. by by gentlemen. And we and we never did that. I mean, we never started you know throwing clubs and well maybe or not golf very, cards. Maybe not very often. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I think I, what I, we we ought to do is to let folks know how serious Jay is about the game of golf. I mean, you really, you, you, you travel uh, exotic places, you know, something other than the Park District golf course. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Park District no, golf no, courses. Jackson Park's a wonderful golf is. course, yes, and I hope it, it becomes, I hope it becomes uh, you know, Obama National mm-hmm. next, to the, uh, next yeah. to the presidential mm-hmm. center. Right. That's a fabulous place down there. Right. I've played there a lot. I mean, Jay, I don't know anybody that has worked harder on yeah. their golf game, he practices, yeah. and he's a he's a phenomenal player. He's a very very good golfer, and you have been for a long time. But nobody, you've played nobody, other other parts of the world, haven't you? I oh, mean, lots. Where you, yeah, lots. I mean, I I played I played in 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 Africa at one point in Zambia. Really, the president 
a reporting trip to Zambia, mm-hmm. and I had a day off, and the president of Zambia was also a member of the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of Scotland. Kenneth Kaunda was his name. And he said, look, there's a golf course right over here, I can't, right off the presidential palace. I can't play, but why don't you go out? So I went out with some barred clubs and played there. And he just had to dodge the crocodiles that were all over the place. That was that was a little hairy. The only go- the only time I ever turned down a, a golf trip was to an island off of Australia. I was in Melbourne playing golf once, and some guys were chartering a plane and going to this island off the, whose which name I forget. But they had the mo- the deadliest snake in the world on oh. this golf course. Oh. And the story was, if you got bit by this snake, there wasn't time to airlift you out. <laughs> Did you you could play a quick game. I decline that. Oh no! <laughs> but there was a game. There was a game I played once in Beirut. Mm. You heard this story. I think I've told you yeah. this story. I'm in Beirut covering the the negotiations for the release of Lawrence Martin Jenko, the Roman Catholic priest from Joliet, who was kidnapped while over there and being held hostage. And I was over there when uh, when the uh, the emissary for the Archbishop of Canterbury was there trying to win his release. Well, we had a we had a day once where nothing was really going on, and I didn't have to report on the air for a while. And my bodyguard. And translator said, look, let's go play golf. We got the golf du, uh, club de golf du Liban, the golf club of Lebanon, right down the street here. And my bodyguard was also one of the contenders for the Lebanese amateur golf championship. So we went off on this golf course and we get, we get to the first tee. I'm not boring you, am I? No, no I'm, we, get, I'm wonderful. we get to the first yeah. tee just in Beirut. And I hear these gunshots mm. all over the place. Bang, 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 bang. I said... Cosm, what is what is that? Well, we're right near the Sabra and Shatila refugee camps, the Palestinian refugee camps, mm-hmm. out, just outside of Beirut. And he said, "Oh, they're just shooting pigeons." Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, fine. So we go down, and walking along the course toward us on the first hole was this little guy with a Kalashnikov submachine gun over his shoulder. He said, Cosm, what's that? What's that for? He said, oh, he's just a caretaker, making sure everything's okay on the course, no problem. Okay, so we go, and we're playing this course, and I'm on the sixth hole, and I remember it really like it was yesterday. And I'm putting for a birdie on the sixth hole from about 15 feet, and all of a sudden this machine gun fire Mm. erupts 10 feet away from me. And here is this caretaker shooting at two guys running down the next fairway. Pigeons. Pigeons. Big Mm. pigeons. Well, the only thing I can say is we finished the nine, but I said that's enough. Let's quit after this. The important question, did you make the putt? No, missed the putt. I was I was so shook. I was so shaken up I missed, now, I missed now, the putt. Well, maybe it was that, or, or maybe it wasn't. What's the most dangerous situation you think you were ever in? The dan- most dangerous situation I was actually in or what I thought I was in? Well, where you felt... You Afraid know, I, for your I, life. Can I get out of here alive? Well, there are two. One, during the first Gulf War. Um, no, during the second Gulf War in 2000, was it 2003? Uh, the Gulf War, when I was embedded with the 101st Airborne, mm. and we were going into Iraq the morning of the invasion. Mm. And we all had training, although not enough training in my view, for how to deal with, you know, gunshot wounds and chemical weapons and how to do all this kind of stuff that you might run into over there. Anyway, we're going over the border and we've got our chemical suits on and 
a chemical suit on and we've got a gas mask on our hip and we're going in because they figure, okay, when we hit that border from Kuwait into Iraq, they're going to hit us with chemical weapons. Mm -hmm. And so you had to be able to take your, your gas mask off your hip, get it on, pull it in, clear it in eight seconds. Wow. Your, your gas mask could be no, lo no further away from total implementation than eight seconds. Mm -hmm. And, okay, we did that. So we go in, and it's nothing. There's no opposition, no nothing. We kept our chemical suits on, and boy, were they hot. We kept our chemical suits on for four days until we realized that the Iraqi troops had simply turned tail and ran mm -hmm. and, and abandoned all their uniforms and all their stuff at the side of the road and ran. Sure. So that was probably, in my view, yeah. the most dangerous situation. Well, it had to be the longest four days of your life, too. I mean, it, just it was, to yeah, it was, wait that out. Uh, okay, what's going to happen? No, now, I'm surrounded by the whole first... 101st Airborne yeah. with General Petraeus in charge. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty confident that these guys know what they're doing. Yeah. But uh, so it's between that and the time when I was chasing drug runners down in uh, Culiacan, Mexico. And I went down there because this was the this was the hotbed of drugs flowing into the United States. And we were doing stories on, you know, who was behind yeah. the drug imports into Chicago. And we found out, we found who was. And so we found where their estate was of the name of the guy who we were looking for. And so we're just driving around there. Now, in when our you car. say we, how many of, of you are? Um, back then, this was, I think I had two people with me. I had a, a, a cameraman and a sound man with me at that point. You know, that's another thing. We used to go around with five people. Yeah. Now it's down to these guys are shooting one the camera. You got to be your own cameraman and sound man. And, yes. and don't get me started on that because mm -hmm. it's the wrong direction. Anyway, uh, so we're down there and we're driving around. And I think I have, I've got a guard there, a, uh, a um, someone to show us the way. And all of a sudden another car comes up behind us as we're riding around the perimeter. And it's a, some kind of SUV, and you can see there are four guys in it. And everywhere they go, we go, they're following us, and they're following us, and they're following us. At some point I said, I'm not stopping to do any stand-ups. I'm not stopping to do any shooting. We're gonna get the hell out of here. And yeah. we did. That was probably the most dangerous, because that's lawless. Yeah, that was sure. absolutely sure. lawless down oh, there. Yeah. That was so bad that the, um, the, the DEA agents, the U.S. DEA agents that we were working with in Mexico City doing our story, they wouldn't go up to this area so, with us. Oh, really? They were like, hey, you're on you your know, own. Yeah, you're, exactly. You're on your own. So that was, that was probably the most dangerous, in fact, as opposed to the other, which was just a perception of danger, yeah. which actually it wasn't. You should watch Narcos. Yeah. Because that captures... I've read all, yeah, I've read all the books. Captures a lot of it right now. You know, I recently watched the Versace short limited mm -hmm. series. Mm -hmm. And you covered that, the Andrew Cananan mm -hmm. uh, murders. Mm -hmm. And that started uh, in in Milwaukee, did it? And then he came to Chicago. Yeah, and, I came to Chicago and then went to, then went to Miami where mm -hmm. the guy killed... Uh, uh, killed Versace on the street outside his mansion. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was that was one of that was one of the big ones. That was one of the big ones. I, so you were down in Miami when all this when it happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he was, you were in the aftermath of Katrina too, right? Yep. 
I was down in New Orleans, spent a lot of time, spent spent two weeks there. The, the problem with the Katrina story was we had no gas. Got a break. We had no gas to, to get around in our car. We had to drive all the way from, from New Orleans, Louisiana, over to Mississippi. No, Mississippi's the other way. No, Mississippi. Yeah. All the way to the other side of Mississippi to get gas. Mm -hmm. So it cost us almost a half a tank of gas to get there and back. Now we got a half a tank of gas to do our story. <laughs> but you know, you, you, you don't realize we're you know, we're living in basically a tent or we had an SUV down there that we were living in. We drove our own SUV down there because there were no hotels weren't. Uh -huh weren't usable or anything like that. So that was that was something, too. All right, Jay, we're going to take a break. Speaking with Jay Levine, on back to you. I would call you a former newsman, but I think once a newsman, always a newsman. Always Do you buy that? Just like there's no former Olympian. If you're, Olymp if you're an yes. Olympian, you're an Olympian That's for right. life. That's exactly right. And we will be right back. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Fat bees can't mate. I am just happy to see you. <laughs> Scammer scammed. <laughs> My brush with sting. And our celebrity guest, Chicago treasure, Barry Butler. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. The Tony Lasano Podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radiomisfits.com. Hey, Howard, did you know that an event called Stay Tuned Rock on TV. It's here at the Museum of Broadcast Communications on October 18th. I do now after you told me about it, but for more details, visit museum.tv. Podcasting from Chicago, an OPI production for the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Lasano and Friends. Hey, I'm Tony Lasano. I'm back with Lasano Friends, and that means my friends are back with me. This is true. We are back. That was Chris. Hello. That was Sammy. I'm here as well, and Kimmy's here in spirit. That was Tommy. Tony, your microphone sucks. That was Michael. Try doing it without sounding like you tried this three times and failed. <laughs> Damn. I've been spending my entire summer bickering with my four-year-old nephew. You win any arguments? I don't know, but I bet you I'm prepared for this season. I'm ready for anything. So join us as we do the funny. Or at least try. Or it's a very dramatic show. Are these awkward silences or dramatic silences? <laughs> Either way, we're back. All this and more on Lasano and Friends, a Tony Lasano podcast and Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Radiomisfits.com. We are back. This is Back to You with Steve Baskerville and Howard Sudbury as the Beaver. <laughs> yes, finally got it right. Yes, <laughs> that is it. They outdo themselves every week. What do you think of that, Jake? I love it. Is I this a show it. or not? This is great. You know, this hey, is great. You finally get to speak your mind and talk about what happened behind the scenes as, as opposed to what people actually yeah, see. Yeah, we can In, rip people. As many times as I've talked to Jay, and if you've talked to Jay, I've I've not heard any of this stuff. I mean, we we haven't had a chance to to really detail right. the kind of work that. Well, we watched him yeah. on the air. We yeah. saw it unfold, and we knew what he covered, but we yeah. really never, you know, had a chance to discuss it. You know, eating the sausage is really good, but you don't want to see how it's made. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's true, especially well, when you're covering wars. Well, see, that's how the can thing. I talk about sausage on the Jewish holiday? Well, uh, well, that's because we're all hungry right choice. now. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all hungry. I had some oatmeal with bananas sliced in it this morning. That's good breakfast, isn't it? It is. That's a solid. Do you breakfast. stay that healthy? 
not all the time. I can go for some good old bacon and eggs and some wheat toast. Wheat and toast is healthy, isn't it? You'll go home. Yeah, sure it is. Yeah. And you'll go home and have a huge pizza. See, Jay, this is what happens. You bring up something and we go totally off course. And before you know it, you're talking about stuff. But, but likes it. Howard likes this. He calls it small talk. I call it stuff. He calls it off the rails. Yeah. Uh, but I want to get back on the rails with Jay. Well, I like That's, the off the hey, rails. Go ahead. Back on the rails I with Jay. You. That sounds like a song, a country western <laughs> song. On, on the rails Cass. again. <laughs> I'm back on the rails again with Jay this time. All right. Um, no, Jay, just picking up on what we were talking about. with You're relating these stories. We see you on the air, but we don't get a sense of, I mean, you can see evidence of it, but part of the professionalism is we, we, we don't see what you're feeling. You're feeling a lot of, I mean, you're going through a lot internally as, as you witness uh, these things that you've covered, I'm sure. Well, you know, I'll give you some more stories, but you've got to separate your personal feelings from anything you're covering. There was a cameraman back in the days of film that we had when I was working at Channel 7, and this guy couldn't stand the sight of blood. Just, you know, it made him crazy. Yet he was the best operating room cameraman to, to shoot surgeries uh -huh. that we ever had. That camera lens was his filter. And by looking through that camera lens, it took away yeah. his personal feelings and fear of what he was actually seeing. And I think to some extent, we reporters... Uh, you know, are the same way. We got to divorce our feelings because because the minute you start putting your own um, uh, uh, lens and distorting lens on a story, then you're off track and you're you're going to fall in. You're going to fall into the slanted to, to slanting the news, and you you just can't do that. No, if I you're going to have any credibility, especially in Chicago, Chicagoans are no dummies. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't tell you how many newsmen came and left in Chicago mm -hmm. because people recognized them for the phonies that they were, mm -hmm. some of whom are, are not big national stars. Yeah. But they either didn't know or didn't care about what they were, what they were reporting on, and... Chicagoans understood that. But I will, I will say this, Jay. Uh, obviously, you don't want to be slanted, but what makes one reporter or one newscaster better than another is the ability to give a story perspective from what you've seen throughout your career. And there's a difference in perspective and being slanted. I, I think they're two very separate things. Very, very separate things. You build a foundation, and your foundation, every story is, is related to something else that happened, and the perspective of knowing what it was and putting the story in perspective is critical and, and may be one of the most important things there is. Whereas if you got some yokel from, from Abilene coming in here for her first story and, and says, oh, the mayor is involved in a fight with the teachers' union. Well, let's go back to every mayor in history who's yeah. been fighting with the teachers' union and, uh -huh. and give, it, give me a little perspective, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and understand what, what Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago now says when she says, I'm not Rom." Well, I think that's one of the most disrespectful things I've ever heard in my life because Rom was the only mayor who 
who, who stood up to the teachers' union and paid the price. But be that as it may, and that's, that's, that's editorial, that is yeah. slanted, that is my opinion, yeah. and nothing else. But you have to understand everything that went before it. So, Howard, you're absolutely right. Perspective is critical. But perspective is not slanting. Well, Big difference. Well, just as you've been in some dangerous, some terrifying situations, you've probably run into some folks along the way that really impressed you. I mean, where, where you've interviewed someone, you've been in a situation, maybe the public has a, a sense of who the person is, but after you've dealt with them, you've gone home and you said, you know, I really liked that person. I mean, were there many occasions where there, were those few, were those, uh, you know, harder to run into? Did you have time to even think about it that way? You know, there were some. Um, you know, there were people like, you know, Terry Waite, the Anglican envoy to, to Beirut, who was trying to free a hostage, who I, I just really liked and felt that his motives were were good. And I'll give you a name that, that, that may surprise you, the Reverend Jesse Lewis Jackson. Mm -hmm. He, Jesse Jackson, understood critical issues before the rest of this nation understood critical issues. I mean, Jesse Jackson understood the need for a war on drugs before the nation understood the need for a war on drugs. Jesse Jackson understood the fact that the people who were staffing hospitals didn't have the health insurance the people they cared for had. He understood the whole problem of babies making babies in the inner city, how that was wrong. He understood how, how everyone thinking that athletics was the key to success was so wrong because it was only the key to success to a minute percentage of those who were playing it. So, you know, I have a lot to this day, I have a lot of respect. For, for him, yeah, and uh, and I know him, and I know his family. I knew his family very well, and you know it was a little difficult covering uh, you know former Congressman Jesse Jackson's story sure. when you know I had played basketball with him when he was a little boy in the backyard of his house mm -hmm. uh, in Chatham. Uh, so it's it's difficult, but you know there are people there are people along the way who you really who you really like. You know, there was there was a time as as the years went on, it was uh, more difficult to get the station to send you on important stories out of town uh, because they were cutting back on expenses, and you wouldn't be able to cover this. The other station was would go, and that would get frustrating. But Jay Levine is the only man that I know that was able to talk the station into going all expenses paid to Rome, Italy, about five times a year. Congratulations. Well, How in the world did you do that? Well, it started, it started, oddly enough, as a punishment, with a punishment. I was being punished by the managing editor, and this was at, this was at Channel 7. I was being punished by the managing editor for refusing to let him review my scripts before I put them on the air. Now, this was just absolutely a stupid thing that a young kid who thought he knew everything did. Yes. I mean, I should have, I should have willingly and welcomingly yeah. given him those scripts mm -hmm. to look over and make mm -hmm. suggestions. Anyway, I knew everything back then. So we were at war. And when Cardinal Cody died, 
and I think that was probably about 1980, somewhere around then. Cardinal Cody died, and this was a big, big story because uh, Cardinal Cody was had been the Cardinal Archbishop of Chicago for a long, long time. He was also involved in a lot of controversy, and the Sun-Times, the Chicago Sun-Times, was in fact ready to put out a real big expose about him and some things that he was doing that weren't exactly right. Anyway, so he died, and everybody was called in to work. And I was called in, and I was assigned the fifth most important story, and I was livid. (laughs) Anyway, what I was assigned to do was... Tell us who the next Archbishop of Chicago is going to be. Well, everybody knows that there is only one person in the world who knows who the next Cardinal Archbishop Archbishop of Chicago is going to be, and that's the Pope. And he and I weren't on speaking terms back then. (laughs) So I do the story as best I can, and it worked out okay. And I gave, you know, okay, by, by, if you look at history and, and who is, goes from what position to what position, this is the way it, it probably works out. Anyway, I parlayed that bad assignment into three weeks later before a ratings book. And back then, when the ratings were in February, May, and November. Yes. And so that's the time the television stations in Chicago were willing to spend some money. So the next rating book, I said, let me go to Chicago and interview, the, uh, let me go to Rome and interview the people in Rome about who's going to succeed and what, what's going to make up. Right. So I went to Rome and I started doing, and I did some stuff with some interesting people and whatever. But the one person I needed to talk to was the Pope. Now, how in the world am I going to talk to the Pope? Well, there was a, a, a an auxiliary bishop in Chicago whose name was um, Abramovich. And an Archbishop Abramovich was the pastor of Five Holy Martyrs, a church on the southwest side of Chicago, largely Polish. And he had connections in Rome. In fact, one of the connections he had was with then Archbishop Stanislas Zivisz. Stanislas Zivisz was the Pope's secretary, was Pope John Paul's secretary. So from my hotel room in Rome, I call Archbishop Abramovich. And he and I had a little bit of a background. And because once I called him Abramovich, and he said, Jay, in your religion, it's Abramovich. In ours, it's Abramovich. So I never made the same mistake again. So I call, uh, uh, they used to call him Alfie, Alfred Abramovich. Uh, Call him and said, listen, could you call Jivich in the Vatican and tell him that I'm going to be standing at this spot the next day when the Pope gives his general audience and the Pope will pass by me. I'll have a Chicago sign. Have the Pope stop and talk to me. Well, damned if it didn't happen. <laughs> wow. And so, and so the Pope came over, talked, this, that. And, and from that day on, I covered Rome. Mm. And, yeah, I and, would think and so. And managed to pull off a couple of different good stories. Oh, I mean, sure. I mean, there was the time when one of my competitors, this is one of my favorite stories, and I won't mention any names because the person is still working in Chicago, but this reporter is standing in front of the Vatican and saying, this was after the election, saying, we don't know where, uh, we don't know where Cardinal George is. This was Cardinal George, I believe. We don't know where Cardinal George is. We haven't seen him, so we haven't got his reaction. So we, uh, well, our general manager 
uh, Marty Wilkie in Chicago was watching all the TVs in her office. All, all the, the general managers always had three TVs on at oh, the yeah. same time. Yeah. So as this clown on this other station was saying, we don't know where the, uh, the archbishop is, and he's sitting with me. Up at the <laughs> up at the North American yeah. College, where we were prearranged yeah, for yeah. him to come to do an interview when the election was over. <laughs> that was a good moment. What, what was it? What, what, what was the question that, that started? Was a great well, moment. Well, it was about you uh, oh, yeah. getting all your trips to to Rome, which is not a you, bad you, deal. You, you kind of yeah. implied that that's a boondoggle. Uh, no, I know it's not a boondoggle, but it's still I mean, a nice you, trip. You, of all people, it's, it's a nice you trip. of all people with all the sports boondoggles that you've been on oh, over, 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 over the, over the years know that you have to work. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you hit the ground running. There's no question exactly. about it. You're, you're working the entire time. But I, I never, as you didn't, I never left, uh, you know, lost sight of the fact of where I was, mm -hmm. what I was going to see, what kind of history I was going to witness. You know, Nagano, the Olympic Games. Right. I mean, that's 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 right. a privilege. Yes. But you do have to work. Uh, but I wanted to ask you again about the Pope stopping. So were you shocked when he stopped? And how long did he talk to you? Oh, he didn't talk for more than, you know, a minute or, or something like that. God but, bless the people of Chicago. Uh, uh, is there going to be a decision on the replacement that the Cardinal Cody? We're working on it. We're, we're doing it. But he, he was not comfortable in English. John Paul was not comfortable was it in English. Was John Paul the first? The second. The second. The first only lasted for a couple right. of days, and then he was he mysteriously died. Right. Remember? Yes. yes. Um, yes. So this was John Paul the second, and it was in his early early days before before the assassination attempt, which kind of led him physically to go downhill forever. Yes. So he was a vigorous guy who would go into the mountains of Zakopane, near Zakopane in, in Poland for vacation. Yeah. And you'd see him hiking on the mountains and, and everything. And snow skiing. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Did everything. He, um, but he, he was, was unbelievable. He was an athlete. But before, before but him being shot uh, in St. Peter's Square. So you of, were there for a couple of Pope elections. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I was there for two. Two. Right. Uh, yeah, was there for do for Benedict and for and for Francis. Yeah. So what's it like to be wherever you were and standing there waiting for that puff of smoke? That that's got to be an unbelievable moment. You try to separate, you know, your personal feelings from what you're covering, but at the same time, this is something. This is something you're witnessing history. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, and you're you're waiting, and we're sitting. We had I was with I was with CBS back then, and we had an incredible spot, uh, you know, overlooking the colonnade, uh, the Bernini columns, uh, just outside the just outside St. Peter's Square in uh, a, a residence of nuns, and we had made a great deal with them so that anytime there was a big thing, we're right overlooking and standing. Mm -hmm. So we got a we got a. I'm looking at the uh, at the chimney. And when you see the smoke, well, first it's white, then it turns to black. That's the way. It, that's the way it always works. Okay. And uh, and when you see that smoke and it's white, then you know, okay, this is it. And now you got to go on the air and you got to talk about something you know nothing about because you know who knows what happened. Yeah. All we know yeah. is that there's a pope, and uh, eventually, in in a half hour or so, he's going to appear above the 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 grand entrance to St. Peter's. Now, at that moment, what's happening with the crowd and with... The oh, everybody, everybody 
yeah. is converging on St. Peter's Square. From all over Rome, the crowds are coming up the uh, um, Via della Conciliazione and all the other streets surrounding it and, and getting into the square. The square is jam-packed with people, everybody, because, you know, the Roman Catholic Church is everything mm-hmm. in Rome. Sure. And so the, the square is packed with half a million people waiting to see. But at, but the time from the white smoke, the word gets out like that, and everybody converges on it. So it's it's quite exciting. Uh, Jay, we know that you have another engagement. You have to be somewhere in a few minutes, but uh, it's been fascinating to hear many stories that, like Steve and I said, that we've known you for 25 years and haven't really heard the inside of you know what it was like when, for you to cover all these fantastic stories worldwide. Yeah, it's been fun. It's I, been it's been great. But you know something? You know what's what's really great? What's great are relationships. Yeah. And what's great is having worked with you guys for for twenty years, for twenty five, for almost yeah. thirty years, yeah. Yeah. from nineteen ninety one uh, up till now. Yeah. And that's what's great. The relationships you make. Well, that's the thing. People, uh, the product that you see when you hit the air, um, you know, there's a lot more that goes into your workday other than the, the work you put into the particular story you're covering or the weather cast or the sports cast. It's the, the people give you that energy to go out there and do it. Yeah. And you got to have good relationships that you do that make you do one last thing before we stop. I, in all these years, I just want to hear Jay say it one more time. I had never heard him say this. When the people rush to the square, where are they rushing to? The, the what? The Via della Conciliazione. Ooh, wow, man! <laughs> That's why they kept sending you back. You're the only wow. guy that could, you're the that only is, guy that can pronounce it. And when he brought that script back with that word in it, no news director was going to correct that. <laughs> exactly. Woo-wee. No question. You guys are the best. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Jay Levine, the best newsman that I ever he worked is. with. I don't want to you know leave anybody else out because we had some fantastic ones like Bill Curtis, and I could go on and on, but uh, none better than Jay Levine, right, Steve? You are right. Yeah. All right. And, He's the chief. Uh, I'll give you 10 seconds. What's next for you? You know, I was in the Sistine Chapel two weeks ago. You know, everything that, you know, I go back, I the relationships that I've made, I see people, I talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um, what's next for me is... Probably the first tee out in Wheaton. <laughs> All right. And, and trying to master the one thing that I've never been able to master and never will. All right. Well, we'll keep trying. All right, Jay, thank you. We thank appreciate you. it. Thanks a lot, Jay. All right. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's new cars still available with an honest-to-goodness manual transmission, plus a so-so Saab sells for a not-so-so-so price. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Jay Levine, Jay Vala, Jay Vala, Jay Vala. <laughs> Jay Lo. Jay Lo Levine. Welcome to Back to You. All right, let's wrap things up. I thought it was wrapped up. No, we got to wrap up the show. In some official way. Well, we ought to say goodbye to the and thank the people for listening. So Did why we don't do we do that? Why we didn't we do, do that? that no, already. we didn't do that. We say goodbye to Jay. It's implied that, that, that we him. thank them. Yes. Yes. We did um, informally thank Jay. Jay Levine was fantastic. We I did. Um, you know, Jay 
uh, and I and I meant that sincerely, and I'm not always completely sincere, but he is a fabulous newsman, and I meant that once a newsman, always a newsman. And I think that we all look at stories and maybe think about how we may have covered them if we were working. Well, the point that you made... You're not buying that at all. No. Go ahead. But the point that you made along with Jay is that perspective means a lot. And there are not a, a lot of reporters in a particular town like ours here in Chicago that could give the perspective like Jay could. Yeah, and, and you know, in not to bring it back to sports, but, but as a sportscaster, okay, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, Joe Madden gets fired after winning a World Series with the Chicago Cubs, and everybody's, you know, up in arms because he's a great guy, and he's obviously a great manager. But I can go back. I mean, what do you think Chicago felt like when Mike Ditka got fired? Well, you know, sure. your time runs out, and sometimes there's time for a change. I found that out at Channel 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. And it worked. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> they're still kicking. Um, can you believe the way he pronounced those names? And do you think that he's a, there's a chance he isn't getting them completely right? I'm, no, just, I'm no. just asking. No, they rolled off his tongue so they did. quickly and easily. They did. That I think that he... Uh, remembered them exactly the way they should be pronounced. A lot easier than some of the English rolls off our tongues. Um, yeah, I just wish he would stop calling me Bakersfield. <laughs> You'd think it was Baskerville would sink in that. Yeah. Um, I always say this, and it takes 10, 15 minutes. One last thing. You were playing, you know, you're a little off your game today because you don't know where your phone is. I don't. I left my phone in a car. I know where it and is. And you feel funny feel about like complete, I feel like uh, something's missing. Like I, I almost think that I'd rather have my phone than the wallet that I was playing around with. That had and nothing I think that's in why it. I had my wallet out when yeah. we were talking the wallet talk. I yeah. was because I'm used to having the phone or something in my hand, and the wallet substituted for that. Okay, what are well, we going to have a psychoanalyst or some? I'm working psycho on it. Are we? I can't get one to call me back. <laughs> That's not a good sign. What's that telling you? It tells you that I can't be helped. <laughs> We're going to get a psycho, and not a not a psychic, but a psychoanalyst. We got enough psychos. Yes, we yeah. do. I'm going to let you get back to your car to get your phone. Okay, please. I probably right. have a thousand messages by now. Yeah. Yes, I am sure you do. Yes. All right. That's back to you. We thank everybody for listening, and uh, this is on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Next time, uh, come in again with your shirt and tie on like you have today. Do you like the way I, I look? Yes, it's okay. very official looking. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Steve. It was fun. It was a great time, as always. All right. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Oh, 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 I didn't wait, 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 Steve. I hope that whatever, I didn't whatever thank, you didn't wait for. I didn't thank the people that make this thing go. I wish I, I could make you go. I can't find it. <laughs> Special thanks to Chief Engineer uh, Samuel Greenberg, Executive Samuel. Producer yes. Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opie is hippo backwards, opishows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha, Radio Misfits. That should do it. I think it did. Oh, great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved 
to a better place, radiomisfits.com. Are you done yet? I, I doubt it. <laughs> Peace. The proceeding was a presentation of Opi Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opi Productions. Tony, can you shut up? If you're a fan of the English Premier League, you'll want to check out Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. As you can hear by his accent, Adam is from England originally. Chelsea fan, if you must know. And he's also an expert in soccer tactics and methods. He's the director of coaching for the Illinois Youth Soccer Association. So obviously, he has some incredible insights into the game. Tune in every week. We're on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. A Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show, and because it's soccer, we never use our hands. Radio Misfits. Com. Hey, this is Tony Lozano, and if you like podcasts, well, I'm the guy that you want to meet. Well, maybe, but I do have my own called Nude Hippo, the podcast, and I do it with uh, many members of and friends, uh, including Kimmy. Hello. We feature some of the coolest guests like... Brian Cheverini, Ginger Z, Mr. Skin, Tom Dreesen, and so many more. These are like milestone interviews. They're timeless. So this way, you could pick it up at any point. I suggest you start from the beginning. Nude Hippo, the podcast, and Opie Show. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. <laughs>